At Iron Women Podcast, our mission has been to bring more attention to female endurance athletes. We recognize the immediate need to make space for and amplify the voices of our Black peers. We are committed to making changes that will put these voices further into our processes, as well as continue to highlight their stories via the podcast itself. This conversation is not over. We are committed to doing the work. Hey, Haley. Yeah, Alyssa? Are you ready to change the narrative around women's sports? Let's do it. You are listening to Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski, and this is the Iron Women Podcast, a production from Live Feisty Media. Haley and Alyssa are longtime professional triathletes and coaches. Between them, they have completed more than 50 iron distance races and just as many 70.3s. Their accomplished careers include nine professional wins and one fastest known time. Haley, do I have to tell the listeners how many of those wins are mine? Nah, we'll keep that between us. The Iron Women Podcast has a Patreon community which helps support our podcast. If you love the podcast, check us out at patreon.com forward slash livefeisty. And don't forget to tell a friend. Now, let's get to the show. proud to be supported by Form Goggles in 2020. Form Goggles are the only swim goggles with a smart display that delivers metrics like split times, distance, pace, and more. And it's built right into the goggle lens. You can also analyze your metrics outside of the pool with the Form Swim app, because what triathlete doesn't love data? Head to formswim.com to learn more about the Form Swim Goggles and pick up the missing link to your swim bag. Hey, Haley, how's it going this week? Alyssa, I am handling the emotional ups and downs of life reasonably well, I think. You know, there's good days, there's bad days, and I'm doing what I can, I, I hope, to, to, I guess, do my best in circumstances. <laughs> How are you? I, I would say that's, I could give that exact same answer, <laughs> I think. Um, it was definitely a long week since I talked to you last, and... To, you know, I felt like, so I've been doing this baking challenge. Um, this is going to be a circular thing here. So through quarantine, I've been doing a baking challenge and it's been super fun. It's like totally taking me outside of the box with baking. I've been like, we've had pie. So like I made pie crust from scratch for the first time. I made like loaves of bread from scratch for the first time, like all sorts of things that I always wanted to kind of try in the kitchen, never really had. And then I've been doing the baking challenge every week. So I've been doing all these things. Right. And then like last week, what well, the challenge, so they give you a, a topic or like a, a thing, you know, to bake every week is like, the, you know, pie. And then you kind of run with that. Last week's topic was buns. And as I submitted my entry today, I realized that I made rolls and rolls are not really buns. So that's like in- all encompassing of like, how the week felt and it was like one more like jab and I was like I don't know if a bun is a roll or if a roll is a bun and then Matt was like I was trying to talk it through with him and he's like well a square is a rectangle but a rectangle is not a square so I don't think a roll is a bun and then there's like a really long rabbit hole about buns and rolls on the internet too so 
that was kind of the final straw that I had to face before talking to you now. And so my mind is still reeling actually about if rolls are buns and how to handle this. I can barely boil water. So <laughs> you lost me like at the word bake. So, um, yeah, but, but good luck in your competition. <laughs> I submitted it anyway. I decided that really, I mean, there's no prize there. This competition is just, it's a challenge just for fun to challenge yourself. There's no real rules. You're allowed to take liberties. So I took the liberty this week of making rolls when I should have made buns, but you know what? The rolls were really good and I'm going to make them again. So at least I have that. I'm glad you're well fed. And I, um, uh, I did something. Well, I actually went to the National Day of Action for Black Lives March last week, and I thought that was kind of cool to be part of it. And we see so much of it on the news. And and actually, in our my mini episode that came out earlier this week, um, my guest was Vanessa Forster, who is one of my athletes who also lives here in Bozeman. And she gave her perspective on on the march. And so I definitely encourage all of our listeners who who haven't listened to that to go back and listen for her perspective. But it was, it was, I'm so glad I went, you know, it, it going to uh, any kind of protest by yourself. It's, it reminded me a little bit of going to a race by myself. Like you worry that you're going to be alone and you're going to be lonely and then you're totally not. And you're so happy you did it and you didn't miss that experience. And it was super powerful. The speakers we had here in Bozeman were incredible. I think there were like more than 3000 people and it was the biggest rally that's ever happened in Bozeman. And that was, that was a powerful thing. And I'm glad I got to be part of it. And we did do nine minutes of silence uh, after we marched downtown for George Floyd. And that was fascinating because nine minutes is so long. It was so long. And yeah, I, I was, it was a very, very emotional and powerful event. And it did give me a little perspective on everything else that's going on in the world. And I'm glad I got to be a kind of a small part of that. I'm glad that you were able to go and share that with us too. And are there, what is kind of the, I guess, temperature of Bozeman are, I know in Charlottesville, this conversation has actually been happening quite a long time for us from several years, because we have had race is such a, a hot topic for lack of a better way to put it um in our town for several years now and so there's a lot of action going on on a daily basis here which is encouraging to see um it can also be exhausting to see i think for a lot of people and so it's been kind of insightful to see how the different members of the community are kind of you know like taking up action while others need some rest in some ways and then it's the scales are tipping so it's been encouraging to see kind of how constant the the action is here is Bozeman similar I don't think it's probably it's probably quite different I imagine I mean the demographics of Bozeman are predominantly white and it's it's which is I think it is a factor of human migration when you look into what happened in the United States after the civil war and the great migration, there was no transportation route that led to Bozeman. And so we don't have, we don't have a big population at all just because of how transportation human migration works. But there is a larger indigenous population, uh, in Montana. And so I think it was also, it might've actually, there were quite a few indigenous speakers and, and so 
it, no, things aren't happening every single day. I mean, maybe there's solo protests every single day, but to see that big of a group come out and to see people being so respectful and peaceful was really encouraging in, and it did kind of make me feel uh, more connected with the rest of the world and maybe very proud of Bozeman. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is interesting. I imagine the, like you say, the, experience in Charlottesville would be very different, but I'm glad to hear that, that you're definitely aware of it and rest. That was also something that was brought up in the, um, by one of the speakers was making sure you do take time to rest. And they handed out water while they were there. I mean, they were taking, the organizers did such a good job. We're taking such good care of everyone at the protest. And, um, but the rest piece was, was very interesting for, for everyone who's involved. Like you definitely do need to allow yourself time to rest. And so your mini episode came out, we're recording on a Monday and your mini episode came out today. I'm excited to listen to that with Vanessa. So thank you again for putting that out there. And Haley, we have some news on the sponsor front for Iron Women. So did you know that it is Skin Cancer Awareness Month? I didn't know that. I should know that because Zelios has been a sponsor for a long time, but I didn't realize it was June. And I also am like looking out at a rainy day and not necessarily thinking sunscreen, but I realize not everyone is looking at rainy days and we definitely need to be wearing sunscreen because the sun is powerful out there. So what is uh, skin cancer awareness month or what is that? Did I say that right? Skin, skin cancer sucks month. Well, I, I wrote down skin cancer awareness month. It might be skin cancer sucks month. Well, either way, I guess, however you want to frame it. It is from now, if you're listening to this um, on Thursday, now through the 21st of June, you can get 10% off of your sunscreen orders with the code wear sunscreen and through Zelios. And we know typically the Iron Women discount gets a little bit more off, but the kicker here is that with that discount code, a portion of the sales are going to the F Cancer Foundation. And so you might pay a little more, but that is going to go, you know, directly into some good hands for this cause. So we encourage you to use that wear sunscreen code through the That's 21st. All, all one word, wear sunscreen, all one word. Just plug that code in when they make any purchase at teamzilios.com. This is good on anything, right? Not just sunscreen? Correct. Yes. And the other exciting news is we have a new sponsor, uh, the Iron Women podcast and Live Feisty, Orca Sportswear. And we have a code for all of you. It is IronWomen15. We'll get you 15% off anything at orca.com. Yes. And Haley, I think we both just got wetsuits in the mail. And have you tried yours on yet? I haven't tried mine on yet, but... I, uh, I'm excited to give it a try and I will be able to report back next week and tell you about that. I'm excited about my new Orca wetsuit and, and I'm excited about Orca joining the Iron Woman and Live Feisty family. Perfect. Okay. We'll talk about the wetsuits next week then. And Haley, we did get some more mailbag, um, hashtag inspired by Lail, uh, mailbags, mailbags, notes coming in. Um, so people can write in questions or send us things that inspire you or hashtag inspired by Lail from our previous episode with Lail Wilcox. If you're doing some sort of challenge and that's ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And so we're going to, we're going to talk about a couple of these inspired by Lail hashtag approved by Alyssa also is a, another hashtag I, I like to endorse. Um, 
mailbags that came through. So the first one is from Sarah. And hi, Sarah. I know Sarah. Actually, I just waved to her actually on <laughs> the recording. Um, so Sarah, I know from Baltimore Running Group. And she had a group of 11 people, Haley, from some in Texas, some in Maryland. And they used like a hill challenge. They followed for the most part, the model of one hill on Monday up to five hills on Friday. And then depending on age and ability and all of that, they like pick their own hill. So some were, you know, really long and hard. Some might have been shorter, but all good. Everyone was doing kind of the intent of the challenge. They even had a 10 year old, which is awesome, doing this. Um, and three people did snag Queen of the Mountains on Strava with doing this challenge. So really cool. And Sarah talked about how it was a fun form of connection and motivation while they were staying close to home. Um, and it also was a good way to connect with people across different abilities. So I love it, Sarah. Thank you for letting us know that you were inspired by Lael. And another hashtag inspired by Lael. And we should add that these, did we say that these are Lael Wilcox who we had on the show a couple I did, weeks yeah. ago? Anyone? I did just oh, okay. It, I Sorry. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> But um, I was just like, we can say it again because I said it quickly. So it's good to reiterate that if yeah. you're confused, go back and listen to the Lael Wilcox episode. It's a great episode. But Shelly, she told me that she came up with her Inspired by Lael challenge. by She started by doing a plank uh, for one minute and then she added 15 seconds each day for seven days. So at day seven, she did two and a half minutes holding a plank, which is much much longer than I can hold a plank. So Me I'm too. quite inspired by <laughs> Shelly there, inspired by Lael. And, and that's, that's a good way to do it where it isn't like, you don't necessarily have to have a mountain to be inspired by Lael. You can figure out your own challenge. So congratulations, Shelly. And Haley, we also had Courtney write in and she was inspired by Lael just through riding. And she has been training for, have you heard of these, the Everesting bike challenge, which I've Courtney, seen them online. Yes, yes. Yes. So Courtney was training for it as like a quarantine challenge um, she had said that she was a little lukewarm in her training and motivation, so she doesn't have a date, but Lael did give her a boost in happiness and inspiration, which we're so excited to hear about. And she pointed out to us that, asked if we knew that only 5% of the Everesting bike challenges in the world have been completed by women. So that's also adding to her motivation to do it. And Courtney, I did not know that. And I, I was, I don't, I think I am surprised to hear that for sure. I mean, I guess I kind of wondered before quarantine how many people were even feeling motivated to do an Everesting bike challenge. And so I'm just wondering if like maybe after this period of time when more people are likely to do it, hopefully the numbers drive up, right? But um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that happens. Is there like a database somewhere that I can go watch this phenomenon? How do these keep track? I don't know anything about this. I mean, I know what it is. I think there actually might be. So it's, wait, you have to ride, you ride, you have to climb the elevation of Mount Everest. So like 29,000, 29 feet. Is that right? Something around there in 24 hours. Do you have to do it in 24 hours? Yeah. And I believe for the bike version, you have to ride up and down. And I think there are some like small stipulations about the type of hill um, you you choose. Maybe like the percent of grade has to be at least, I think, something. Um, but in general, it, it is what it is. Like, I think there's probably a range of what makes sense to be able to like make it feasibly in 24 hours. Um, but you do the same one over and over, I believe, right? You can't like switch hills, I don't think. I think you're correct there. I'm Googling Everesting Challenge. Yep, there's a website. 
So I bet so. there's a database. Maybe we'll should, we'll have to look in. I don't know. It hasn't. Elizabeth um, seems right up your alley. You know. So. <laughs> I was listening a to a podcast today about the running version, which actually was interesting because you can, I think, in that use like go up and then take like a cable car down if you're on like a ski slope or something. Um, but that's not an option for the biking. And I've seen some of my friends. Um, doing like I've just through Instagram I followed their Everesting bike challenge and I'm not sh- quite sure that I'm ready to sit in the saddle that long in 2020 but maybe you never know I mean the years it's only June 8th so we'll see I feel like I, I might be getting my I might be singing a different tune by the you want to do year. it while the days are really long when you have most That's true. Late. I feel like That's this is true. when you want to do either version of the hiking or the the riding one congratulations or good luck to Courtney and in that um challenge and and hopefully do see more women doing that but Alyssa we also have an interview this week I'm very excited about this one tell us about it Haley so this week we are chatting with Julie M.T. Walker Julie is the founder of the Atlanta Tri Sisters a triathlon club with the stated goal of diversifying triathlon by educating exposing and encouraging training especially for black women and their families Julie founded the Atlanta Tri-Sisters in 2013 with just seven members. Many of them were fellow members of the Georgia Association of Black Women Attorneys, another group Julie founded and served as president. Just seven years later, the Atlanta Tri-Sisters is now more than 60 members strong and has a large presence each year at the St. Anthony's Triathlons in St. Petersburg, Florida. Julie is an accomplished triathlete herself. She found the sport in her 50s and she's continued to race even after a kidney transplant. This past May, USA Triathlon recognized Julie with the Spirit of Multisport Award, which seeks to recognize individuals who illustrate the principles of the positive spirit of the sport. After listening to our conversation with Julie and hearing about her journey in triathlon and her work with the Atlanta Tri-Sisters, we're sure sure you'll agree the award was well-deserved and she truly embodies the spirit of multisport. We'll have our conversation with Julie Walker right after the break. As triathletes, we should all be committed to fueling our bodies with products we are confident in. At Iron Women, Noon Hydration is our go-to. Committed to clean hydration, a clean planet, and clean sport, Noon Hydration shares our values, and we are proud to use Noon Hydration on and off the race course. Plus, it tastes good. My favorites are the Watermelon Noon Sports Tabs, Citrus Mango Noon Endurance, and then warming up some Noon Rest before bedtime. Noon Hydration offers the Iron Women community a 30% discount at noonlife.com with the code IRONWOMEN. That's N-U-U-N life.com with the code IRONWOMEN. Hi, Julie. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. I am so excited to be doing my first uh, podcast with you ladies. Well, we are very excited that you are here with us, and we're so honored that we get to be your first podcast. And we wanted to start by congratulating you because just last week or a couple weeks ago now, USA Triathlon announced you as the recipient of the 2019 Spirit of Multisport Award. So this award seeks to recognize individuals who illustrate the principles of the positive spirit of the sport by identifying athletes who display excellent sportsmanship and leadership in multisport with no deference to athletic ability. Were you surprised to win? I was absolutely surprised to win. And I must take a moment to thank three of my coaches who nominated me 
because but for their nominations, I would not have won this award. My uh, first triathlon swim coach was Sabir Muhammad, and Sabir is a retired member of the USA National Swim Team and the first African-American to hold an American swimming record. My other two coaches, triathlon coaches, are Ilanga Thonziway and Kevin Samuels, both of whom are USAT certified triathlon coaches. And apparently their nominations told things about me that I didn't even see in me. So I must thank them, and I am absolutely shocked that I got this award. But I am so honored as well. I want to thank my two why-or-die tri-sisters, Deborah Carlton and Melanie Reed, who did their first Meek and Mighty in 2015 and have completed the sprint and multiple Olympic distance races. They have been my support team for the last five years, assisting me with everything ATS. I love and appreciate their support of me and my vision on this ATS journey. They are ATS officers and board members, Deborah, vice president and treasurer, and Melanie as secretary. I also want to thank St. Anthony's triathlon race director, Susan Daniels, for her warm and welcoming embrace of ATS over the last seven years. She is approachable, personable, and appreciates how ATS has increased the number of participants in the St. Anthony's Triathlon. And finally, thanks to the St. Anthony's race announcer, who each year has enthusiastically announced each ATS member as she crossed the finish line. Well, Julie, to give our listeners a little bit of background, we should say that USAT has presented the Spirit of Multisport Award annually since 2011, and past recipients have included coaches, race directors, authors, athletes who have completed over 100 races, and even a pioneer of women's running and triathlon. And now your name's on the list. So what does it mean to have your name with, you know, held in such high regard now with all of these other great people? Wow. I really didn't do any research about the past recipients of the award, but that makes me even more ecstatic that, you know, they are high-level achievers, and I think what really um, counts about me and why I may have gotten the award is the, the part that says leadership in, in spite of athletic abilities. 
I am a very social person, love people, and have had leadership roles throughout my life. And I think it's my leadership and motivating women who have never done a triathlon that really uh, captured me uh, winning this award. And I'm glad it wasn't based on athletic ability because I'm a triathlete, but I'm not the fastest in our group. So I'm proud to be in the company of such other esteemed athletes. And speaking of leadership, in 2013, you founded Atlanta Tri Sisters, or ATS, a group founded with the goal of diversifying triathlons by educating, exposing, and encouraging training, especially for black women and their families. ATS started with seven members in 2013 and is now more than 60 members strong. Can you tell us about those early days of the Atlanta Tri Sisters and your decision to start the group? Well, I did my first triathlon in 2009 at the age of 54. And it really was on a whim. One of my best friends, Danada, her sister-in-law, Lavette Russell, she is a seasoned triathlete. And she has the best body in the world. <laughs> I mean, tight abs, arms, I mean, the best body. And she was getting a group of her friends uh, to do their first triathlon. And Lavette had trained inner city kids to do uh, triathlons. And, you know, she had a lot of great experience doing kids. But she picked her mid-20 to late-40 girlfriends, including our Atlanta mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, and she decided to train them. And I went to her and I said, Lavette, if I do that triathlon, will I have a body like your body? And she said, oh, yes, Julie, come on, join us. Well, I was 54. The oldest person was like 40. And I said, I don't want to be the oldest and do it alone. So I uh, encouraged my law school girlfriend, Serena. I said, come on, let us do it. I was 54 and she was 55. So we trained with Peachtree Tri Club and they reserve lanes over at the Georgia Tech Aquatic Center. So on Monday nights, we had group swim, and it was so funny that the true athletes, they could not get used to us swimming one length of the pool and stopping, resting, chatting. So they gave us our own lane. And so we swam at Georgia Tech, but we did not do any group training for biking or running so we kind of had to do that on our own so fast forward we train we go to St. Anthony I had a goal of doing it in 54 minutes 
I finished in 56, but who cares? I finished, and I was hooked at that very moment, crossing the finish line, that I'm going to do every race that St. Anthony has. So the meek and mighty, then I knew I had to do the sprint and go to open water, and I knew I had to do the Olympics. So it was that uh, on a whim and on having a great body that I entered the sport of triathlon. Now, the body isn't perfect like hers, but it's much improved. I love it. And I love that you even like brought a friend with you when you were getting recruited into this group. And so... How did that – so then at that point, you were were training with um, – I did you say her name was Lavette, who kind of started it and was, um, you know, getting the group together. So where did it go from from there? Like, did you guys – did everyone else have the same reaction that, you know, we love this, we want to keep it going, and that's kind of how the, the roots were laid for the group? Well, actually, my enthusiasm for doing – uh, another meek and mighty was put on hold because I have been diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease. And February 1st, 2010, um, I went on dialysis. And by December of 2010, I had a kidney transplant. And ironically, as I say, as God would have it, Coach Sabir Muhammad's mother ended up being my kidney donor. So, you know, that's another story for maybe another time. But anyway, so I had the kidney transplant December 3rd, 2010. And then... My doctors decided to remove my native kidneys because to leave them in could cause cancer. So a year later, they removed my native kidneys, and then I waited a year and got um, the all clear from my doctors. And the first thing I did was start advertising to uh, a group of women to let's go do the meek and mighty again. So um, I had to wait two years. And then um, in 2013, I went back with seven women. We all happened to be attorneys because I was recruiting from the Georgia Association of Black Women Attorneys which I was a founding member of and past president. And we had a listserv where I can just say, hey, come do this triathlon. You'll get fit, you'll lose weight, any kind of hook I can tell them. You know, so seven of them, well, there were six lawyers and one of the lawyers' 14-year-old daughter. We all started training together Coach Sabir Muhammad found us a triathlon coach because he was very tied up with his own swim school. So we um, 
had a trainer, a coach, that trains us in swimming, biking, and running, and transition. That's the fourth uh, really part of the triathlon experience. And then after you do one triathlon, the members, the participants, they recruit other people to come back and do a triathlon. And we believe that many of the women in your group are over age 50. You mentioned you were over age 50 when you did your first triathlon. And I think this is something we're seeing quite frequently. So what do you, why do you think triathlon appeals to women in that age range? Is it, is it the lure of the, the body you can have? Is it because the president of your legal association says that you need to? What, what is it that makes triathlon a, such an attractive sport? Do you have any ideas? Well, I think... Um... Because I primarily recruited from um, GABWA, um, my legal organization, then I also recruited friends and family and colleagues. I think that the younger generation, they were so tied up in their career that they were just working, climbing, you know, the the partnership ladder in the big law firms or they were just too consumed. And as as I recruited friends and family, they're all my age or older. And, you know, I would put the hard sell on them. I was 54. I had a kidney transplant. If I can do it, surely you can do it. And the other reason is, in the black community, we are faced with obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes. And so the women, in seeing me with my health issues, I think they really wanted to take control of their health. And doing a triathlon with a group gave them accountability and uh, camaraderie, and you weren't alone. And I'm a hell of a motivation coach. So, you know, once they were mine, I got them there every practice, and then they wanted to come. They started losing weight. That was the real kicker. They could see the scale go down, and that's because they were exercising. Julia, I have to say, it sounds like maybe that younger generation missed out on the network oppor- networking opportunity of their career. They could have been swimming, biking, and running with all of these successful women and getting what? a lot of FaceTime with you guys that way. I think, I think they missed out. They have missed out. A few of them have done the triathlon, And they love it. They have to take a break. And they said, you'll see me again. I just have to, you know, make partner at my law firm and then I'll be back. (laughs) And I have to ask, too, are any of the initial seven members from 2013 still racing? I'm, I'm the only one still racing. However, in 2014, Serena, who started with me in 09, 
2013 and she did 2014, we did the Meek and Mighty, and then we did a, a Sprint Relay team. I did the Mike and she did the Run. So she no longer trained and did triathlons with us, but she went on to get certified as a triathlon, uh, a USAT triathlon uh, coach. And she served as one of our swim coaches for our beginner swimmers this year. And she was our spin uh, coach for our spin classes. We typically, um, during the winter months, we do spin classes for our cycling training. But when the weather breaks in February or March, we then go meet at the Silver Comet Trail and do outdoor um, bike riding and running on our regular um, race bikes. Julie, we imagine a goal to diversify a sport could be really challenging. Has it felt that way? It is challenging overall, but surprisingly for me, my growth has come from family and friends of people who completed their first triathlon, they share and spread the word and they convince their friends to come. And that's why we have grown so much. But there still needs to be more diversity in the sport and they can kind of take uh, Atlanta Tri-Sister model, just do it. And then your members will recruit other people to join us. I have two examples I want to share with you about growth. Maria joined us in 2017. She was 60 years old. And like most of the women that become members of the Atlanta Tri-Sisters, they have not done any exercise in years, but they're willing to try. Maria did her first Meek and Mighty in 2017. The very next year, her 35-year-old daughter did the Meek and Mighty. The very next year, last year, her son that lives in New York, he did the Olympic distance of uh, St. Anthony while training on his own in New York. And then her granddaughter completed the Atlanta Kids Triathlon in August of last year. So we have a three-generation triathlon family. Another example is Hasina. Hasina and Maria came to Atlanta Tri Sisters together, and she was 68 or 67 when she did her first Meek and Mighty in 2017. She got her identical twin daughters to do the Meek and Mighty 
in 2018. And one of the twin daughters joined a sprint relay team and did the run uh, portion. Her twin daughters were, um, um, they were, well, they were elite runners in college. So they had running careers and uh, in college. So there's a second, you know, that's a two-generation um, triathlon family. And in our class of 2020, one of the first male members, he's age 45 and a doctor, and his 14-year-old daughter, he asked, could she do train with us and do the triathlon? So I believe in the future we're going to have generational family generational triathlons. I intended for my two sons to celebrate my 65th birthday this year in March by doing the uh, St. Anthony's Triathlon. I was going to do the Olympic swim. One son, my older son, Josh, he, he was going to do the bike, and Matthew was going to do the run. And they are 31 and 30, but COVID-19 shut everything down. And I feel bad that the class of 2020, they did all of that training from October, and then we had to shut down. But next year, hopefully, they can complete their first triathlon. I have a feeling that maybe at St. Anthony's for your 66th birthday, it'll be more special than ever if we're all able to be back outside racing. And like you said, racing with family and our communities, because I have no doubt that those stories you just shared about those ties too, what we probably don't even see is like how it connects beyond those people. Right. So even where it seems to end, it's like eventually those young girls are going to tell their friends because they were exposed at a young age to even just see the sport, which is more than so many people are. So that's really cool that that word of mouth and just that bringing a friend aspect has really helped the the diversity of the sport. And kind of along those lines with um, just this past April, Delaware State became the second historically black college or university to add women's triathlon as an NCAA varsity sport. So given that you've now been working towards encouraging more black women to pursue triathlon for so many years. Does it make you feel good to also see HBCUs like Delaware State and Hampton adding these varsity programs? Oh, yes. I am so happy to see those two schools. And I was a volunteer coach for the Spelman College mock trial team for the last 14 years. And Spelman College has a state-of-the-art athletic facility. And I tried, along with LeVette, we tried to get Spelman College to let us train at their facility because they have swimming pool, spin room, and indoor track. 
And we also wanted to start a triathlon club with the Spelman students. And they aren't ready to allow um, a triathlon club to come in and train at their facility yet. But Lavette is a Spelman alum. She's on the board of trustees, uh, an excellent triathlete. And I think years to come, in the coming years, we might be able to convince Spelman, uh, knowing that Hampton has a team and now Delaware State, it will be our goal to get Spelman College added to that list of NCAA uh, varsity programs. So we'll keep working. Julie, you've given us already so many great stories that come out of the Atlanta Tri-Sisters. So this is probably an impossible question, but do you have a favorite Atlanta Tri-Sisters moment from the past seven years? I absolutely do. I tell the women that come in um, when they start the training program, I say, ladies, I want you to get your first F that you've ever had in your life. And that F is finish your race at your pace. So my greatest moment is being at the finish line at St. Anthony and seeing every woman that started the triathlon cross that finish line and finish. And we have not had anyone to not finish and we have not had anyone to have any injuries because they have been well-trained in our five-month training program. So that's the best story. And, you know, it's that watching them cross that finish line. And they are so amazed, happy. They feel accomplished. And then they take on bragging rights. I have done three sports in a row. Can you do it? You know, because most people are either runners or they're swimmers or they're bikers. But to be a triathlon and do all three sports nonstop, they now have bragging rights. I'm a triathlete. What about you? <laughs> I love it. And that 100% success rate is unreal and definitely something to be proud of. And I think speaks a lot about just the like the type of athlete that maybe is drawn to the Atlanta Tri-Sisters. And so, you know, being based in Atlanta, Atlanta is where Haley got her start in triathlon. And the Iron Women podcast is actually just out there for our first ever live show before the U.S. Olympic Marathon trials this past February. So... I got to meet a lot of athletes from Atlanta and I know they have a lot of heart and a lot of grit and are just like, kind of like you said, like big cheerleaders for each other too, to just finish those races. Right. So 
But what is it about Atlanta that makes it such a great place for endurance athletes, do you think? I think, number one, we have great weather. So that makes it easy to be outdoors more often. And we have great endurance races, like the public's uh, half and full marathons. Um, And we have, of course, the biggest road race in the country, the Peachtree Road Race. And there, in any given week, you can find seven to ten um, races that you can do in running, cycling, um, bike, uh, well, cycling, um, and swimming. There are races all of the time here in Atlanta. And I think we just have an enthusiastic group of people that play tennis, they do triathlons, they do um, marathons, they do half marathons. So I think all of those things are available here, and that's what makes Atlanta a great city, and people come from all over the world to do the Peachtree Road Race. And, you know, I think we are just a city that is athletic and we love challenges. Julie, you're making me so nostalgic and a little homesick, I guess. Um, I, I know I have visions of like riding down the Silver, Silver Comet Trail and I miss, I do miss some of that Atlanta weather. But the Meek and Mighty Triathlon, uh, that's race as part of the St. Anthony's Triathlons in St. Petersburg, Florida, every April, is usually a target race for the Atlanta Tri-Sisters. You brought it up several times. We know that this year the race was postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And you mentioned having to kind of readjust, readjust plans for 2021. So how have you and the group members kind of adjusted your training and your race schedules? Are you going to try to do something in the fall or is it just all for 2021? Well, I have encouraged um, our members to not lose the fitness level that they have trained so hard for over the past uh, four months. So I have encouraged people to do virtual um, training. Um, I have a trainer for my bike and me and a couple of girlfriends will do a Zoom training on our bike. And so we have really encouraged our members to stay in shape by looking at all of the free um, free virtual Uh, workout programs on YouTube. Um, We have done as a group, some of us, there was a 15-day challenge for um, swim-specific yoga that some of us did. And then um, our coach, uh, Ilanga, he flooded us with information on dry land workouts for triathletes. So we gave them lots of encouragement, gave them lots of uh, resources and opportunities 
can still continue their workout. And what I'm going to implement shortly in the next week, I am going to get people to commit to an accountability partner. And even if they are not, you know, they won't be together, but they plan that on Thursday at 6.30, when we used to have our spin class and run class, that they will get on the phone and say, I'm on my bike, are you on your bike? I'm doing some dry land workouts, so let's do some dry land workouts. So I am going to get people to pair up to do virtual workouts. The uh, YMCA's in Metro Atlanta, they have opened up um, for swimming, but you have to reserve a lane and you have to come to uh, the Y fully dressed and um, with very little equipment. And they have a chair where you put your bag and your towel. And they have people swimming uh, from the deep end to the shallow end. And then the other person in the next lane, they start swimming from the shallow to the deep, you know, to avoid, you know, much contact even though you're bound to pass them in a lane. And so that's how they have slowly opened um, to swimming. But we don't know how um, the other city of Atlanta recreation centers, we don't know what their protocol will be for swimming. Well, I think even as the pools continue to figure all of that out, it sounds like you're doing a great job keeping everyone motivated and, you know, like you said, maintaining that fitness that they work so hard for. But we, we did want to talk, have you tell our listeners a little bit about your own journey there, too, with St. Anthony's, because it's obviously near and dear to your heart. And you mentioned starting with the Meek and Mighty. And uh, we believe 2017 was the first year that you raced and finished the Olympic distance there. So can you tell us a little bit about how like you decided to try the longer distance and kind of how that process went for you? Well, as I said, when I crossed the finish line for my first Meek and Mighty at St. Anthony's, I said, I have got to get in that open water and I have got to do every race that they have. So I started out with the sprint in 2016, a group of us, um, well, I found an open water swim coach, Coach Leo in St. Petersburg, and we actually, in March, before the actual race, we flew down to uh, St. Petersburg and had open water swim lessons at Clearwater Beach and then on the actual St. Anthony's sprint and part of the Olympic uh, distance course. So in 2016, I did the sprint. I said, all right, I'm ready for the Olympic distance. 
So in 2017, the water was the worst ever. It was very, very choppy, and they almost considered only letting the professional and elite athletes um, do the race. But what they did instead, they cut the swim from about a mile down to 900 yards. So I did the 900-yard swim in that choppy, horrible water. And then I hopped on my bike and did the 25 miles. And because I had torn lateral meniscus surgery in January of 2015, my doctor told me, you can no longer run unless you want a knee replacement. I said, no problem. So I ended up walking the 10K at uh, St. Anthony, and I came in last. But coming in last was not as bad as it sounds because the St. Peter, no, the Tampa Bay Times newspaper, they send a reporter every year to the St. Anthony Triathlon, and that reporter does a story on the first one in and the last one in. So I, I am in the Tampa Bay Times as the last person to finish the 27 um, St. Anthony's Triathlon. So, you know, I got publicity just for being the last. So it was all good. But, you know, I had to go back because that was only 900 yards. You know, I had to get the full swim uh, distance. So 2018, I went back and I did the... Um, almost one-mile swim, and I um, did the 25-mile uh, bike ride, but I did do a relay team and recruited a runner, and we actually came in number six um, in that race uh, as a relay team, and they only give awards to the top three um, people doing a relay team. So, or maybe it's the top five. So we were close. But the sport is addictive, and I don't think I'll ever stop doing triathlons. Now, my dilemma with my health issues, uh, my anti-rejection meds um, for, from my kidney transplant has suppressed my immune system. So I cannot swim in a lake or a river. I can only do saltwater um, swims because I have to stay away from bacteria. And that's what you find more of in lakes and rivers. So I'm kind of restricted but I love doing St. Anthony. We plan to perhaps go to Panama City. They have a, a triathlon. 
and that's um, salt water, so I'll be able to do that. Julie, our audience includes many race directors and race promoters. So when you think about the meaning behind the Spirit of Multisport Award that you just received, this idea of positive spirit, sportsmanship, and leadership, do you think race directors can do anything different to keep the spirit of multisport alive in their races? And it sounds like maybe we can expand that also to include the media. Can we be doing things like what the Tampa Bay Times did for you and covering last place as enthusiastically as we cover first place? Well, I would say to race directors and race uh, promoters, if they want to grow the sport, which is financially beneficial to them, they need to expose black and other minority communities to the sport of triathlon. Not everybody and my community knows about the sport. I was lucky to have Lavette Russell introduce me to the sport, and I have tried to introduce the sport to black women and their families, but they really have to want to diversify their races, and they have to want to include diverse communities in their races. So they have to reach out and maybe put on um, triathlon clinics, um, maybe a swim clinic, maybe a bike clinic, maybe a run clinic. They really have to put their money where their mouth is, really, to grow the sport. They can have many, many more triathletes um, participating in the sport if they would expose minority communities. And the sport of triathlon is an expensive sport because you need equipment, you need a bike, you need um, running equipment, you need swim gear. So they have to try to eliminate the financial barriers to the sport of triathlon by maybe deferring registration fees, maybe by, you know, sponsoring Atlanta Tri-Sisters to attend their races that are in the Southeast region. See, we already travel from Atlanta to St. Petersburg, but we'll travel to do races. So maybe their sponsorship opportunities. But the main thing is they have to really try to expose minority communities to uh, the, the sport of triathlon. And their numbers will inevitably grow. And Julie, athletic ability is frequently measured in terms of performance, so how fast they raced or what place they finished in. But this Spirit of Multisport Award seems to suggest there is more value to a triathlete than just the time that they're getting on the clock. So how have you seen triathlon change the lives of athletes in your group in ways beyond just getting faster? Because I, I think about your group of women 
who are so successful in their their lives and their business like aspects and I'm kind of like you know tell us what else triathlon was able to to teach these women who have already found so much success in their life well many of our women um we have become friends these are our new set of friends that every year all of the women have bonded as sisters because we all are training together and we have become friends beyond St. Anthony Triathlon. We socialize together. We have done an afterglow uh, party after St. Anthony's. Many of us have stayed and we did a uh, sunset cruise on Sunday after the Sprint and Olympic race. And then all day Monday, we were at St. Petersburg Beach. And what I think it has done for women, it has certainly made us healthier. It has made us more courageous. It has made us disciplined, not only in our athletic life, but some of the traits of training for a triathlon has made us better in our daily work lives. That discipline to do a triathlon kind of makes you get more discipline at work because you want to get all your work done so you can go swim, so you can go bike, and so you can go run. But a lot of us uh, have lost weight. And once you lose the weight, you want to keep on losing weight and getting, you know, flatter abs, getting tremendous triceps and wonderful sculptured legs. So we have become more than just training um, friends for a triathlon. We have become you know, social friends, and we do a lot of social things together outside of um, triathlon training. And I do want to say one other thing about what race directors um, can do. They can really publicize throughout their website, throughout their magazine, and on their social media platforms, uh, black athletes who have done great things, um, like um, Sika Henry is trying to be the first black female professional um, triathlon. They, can, you know, if race directors could, you know, kind of promote black. Um, high-achieving athletes that are trying to break in to become professional cyclists, professional runners, professional triathletes, then that would spread the word that, you know, you too can break into a sport that we never were really exposed to. 
Julie, our listeners are international, but we do know that we have a big fan base in Atlanta. So how can we support your mission from afar? And if someone is in Atlanta who is interested in becoming a member of the Atlanta Tri-Sisters, where should they start? I would uh, kind of reiterate what I have said that race directors um, should do. Um, I would say that uh, people could um, sponsor our Atlanta Triathlon Club or other uh, triathlon clubs. They can um, perhaps um, promote and give us a lot of publicity through their website and their social media outlets. And if they have scholarships for training um, minority athletes um, to get into the sport of triathlon, those are some of the things that I think they could do for um, Atlanta Tri-Sisters and many other triathlon clubs. And we are working on a new website that people will be able to contact us uh, about their interest in joining our training program. And um, our website should be up within the next couple of weeks. And I'll share the website uh, information. And they can just reach out to us on our website. We love growing and growing uh, Atlanta Tri-Sisters, and we will have to find more pools to swim in and multiple pools to swim in and multiple places to do spin classes and do indoor uh, run training, but I'm willing to do that. We are at, at we trained at Agnes Scott College. We had eight lanes all to ourselves, and we had two um, training sessions, 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. We had the advanced um, triathletes, uh, well, the advanced swimmers and the beginners. And at 9 a.m., we had the intermediate and beginners, and we had coaches for beginners, intermediate, and and advanced. Um, So we would just find other uh, City of Atlanta recreation sites that have pools. Um, Mercer University has a pool. So we would just have to be proactive in getting more swim lanes, more places to do swim bike training, and more places to do indoor training during the winter months, and then we move outdoors for um, outdoor riding on your bike and running. And we had planned that Atlanta Tri-Sisters, we were going to Kona 
next year, 2021, to actually swim on the Kona swim course, bike on the Kona bike course, and run or walk on the Kona um, run course. But since we have to take the class of 2020 back to St. Anthony's to complete their race, we're going to postpone our uh, ATS uh, Kona trip until possibly 2022. Well, Julia, I can assure you that the the Ocean Swim and the Queen K Highway and the, the run course in Kona on Ali'i will still be there in 2022 waiting for you guys if that does have to get postponed. But thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your stories. I think you have Haley ready to pack up and move back to Atlanta for a little bit to, to relive some of this. Um, but we really appreciated hearing from you and we have no doubt, and I'm sure our listeners have no doubt, why you were the winner or why you are the winner of the Spirit of Multisport Award from USA Triathlon this year. Thank you so, so much for this being my first podcast ever and giving me this opportunity. I really, really appreciate it and hope it encourages everyone, no matter what age, no matter what size, shape or your ability let's get in and do a triathlete a triathlon because you will be the most prestigious athletes that anyone in your family in your work community uh, will be i mean they'll be so jealous that you can do three things continuously and it's great to have the bragging rights of being a triathlete um, and we have some up and coming women one of whom is Janelle Sumter she completed her first half Ironman at Augusta last year and we have plenty of Plenty more Janelles among us that will go on to do half Ironmans and a full Ironman. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity. Triathlon is certainly hard on your skin, without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes. Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. Haley, do you think that Julie is going to get Tyler Perry, Oprah, Gail King, and Michelle Obama to do a triathlon with her? If there's anyone who can do it, it is Julie M.T. Walker. She has done so much. I wouldn't put anything past her and... 
I hope she does. And I will hope that I'm invited too. And I get to race as well, because that sounds like a really, really fun race. Would you be there? Um, for sure. I would be eager to be there. So I hope, you know, that Julie can make this happen for us and keeps us posted. And Haley, how are we going to be able to get involved with Julie's organization and all of that? Well, the Atlanta Tri-Sisters are launching a brand new website in the coming week. So stay tuned. We do not have the link yet, but once we get it, we are definitely going to be pushing it out on all of our social media channels. So hopefully everyone can look out for that link and continue to support the Atlanta Tri-Sisters, Julie, and this entire incredible community that she is building. And also we need to have St. Anthony's Triathlon come back because I've never raced there and obviously I need to. It sounds like a really fun time. Have you raced St. Anthony's? You know, I haven't either. So maybe we'll have to make a comeback there together The and check it out. It does. It sounds quite nice. Post-pandemic to-do list. Definitely on it. But thank you so much to Julie for coming on the show. We really appreciated her taking some time to tell us about the Atlanta Tri-Sisters. And congratulations to her again on that Spirit and Multisport Award. And thank you to our listeners, as always, for sticking with us. You can let us know on Instagram that you are listening. And as always, it really helps if you also rate or review us on the podcast app that you are listening to us on. It helps a ton. So we really appreciate you taking just a moment to do that. Alyssa, have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Taylor Mahan Rudolph. Thank you to our sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear, as well as the Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find websites and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com.